Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, kids. Blamo Sports is proud to offer you the kind of toys you'd like to have. None of this kinetic sand or art beads here. These are real Malaysian throwing daggers and actual fencers' foils. The blowgun you're seeing is legit, and the BB pistol will crack glass at 75 feet. The crossbow? Well, what more do we need to say about that? And let's not forget the one you're all salivating over. Hard to pass up and harder get to serve time for. The hunting slingshot. will fire steel or glass beads as well as crossbow bolts and arrows. And it's so easy to hide in your pants pocket, too. Blammo. Toys and excitement that will change your life. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. Well, welcome back to Cabin Country, ladies and gentlemen. We're glad to have you here again tonight with the fire blazing in the fire ring and the Mitz coffee steaming in the mugs. I'm Lloyd, 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 Lloyd. I'm Bjorn Lloydstead. <laughs> and I'm Feud Clexbury. <laughs> yes. Uh, Fudd Klugman here. Yes, indeed. And uh, I, we were just kind of sitting outside for a while enjoying the pleasant evening before we came into the studio and began the show. It's it's been in the sixties, fun. This is yeah, it's something else. It's crazy. It's very welcome and very exciting. But oh, of course, my goodness, yes, there is that shadow of well, how long is this going to last? I'm proud to report that the Lloydstead backyard is free of snow and ice. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's the first spring in as many years as I can count of living in that house that we haven't haven't gone into the summer with still one berm of snow <laughs> hanging out there, kind of sticking its tongue out at me, going. Ah! What do you think of that, pal? I'm still here. What are you going to do now? <laughs> yeah. Going to mow your lawn, are you? <laughs> Not yet. <clears throat> yeah. So if we can keep these temperatures rolling, I mean, thoughts immediately start springing to the fire ring. The yes. River. Right. And the, the shack and down, down river and the cabin, of course, and, and dry dirt roads and trees beginning to leaf out and... And the putting in of the dock. And I understand there's an announcement or two here, Foot, from... Oh, yes, uh, that's the, right. The, the dock... Clug, the Klugman camp. Dock let's, update. Let's, let's hear it, man. Dock talk, you know. And yes, indeed. Mike Lean's dock book talk. could right. have been called uh, Dock Talk instead of Down at the Dock. I'll, right. 
but that's just kind of too hard to say. Doc Talk. This week's episode of Doc Talk. Talk my name. Go ahead, Flock. Well, um, my dad and brother and I have decided we are definitely this year going to go go thirds on a new dog leg right section. Indeed, it's uh, it's going to be a, an aluminum frame dock, kind of a lattice thing, you know, mm-hmm. very sturdy, and the decking on top. We're not going to go with the old like wood or cedar even. We're going to go with the plastic. Um, they call it through flow. At least this company does. My goodness, and it's kind of like a like a almost a great a tan colored gray it's it's to allow water to flow through it so right. it doesn't pool on, on the, the boards so yes uh, a four by 16 section where it's just very badly needed and i think it'll save our backs i think putting I think it you're right i think you're in right. and out that's, that's ultra modern my word it's yes incredible. indeed and 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 though we are excited about it, my dad called me yesterday saying that he couldn't sleep the previous night because he was thinking about like, okay, this is a this is a fixed, pre, uh, you know, assembled sixteen foot section, and he was first thinking, oh, we got to have two eight foot sections, and uh, I did look into that, and of course you'd have to pay for some reason an extra two three hundred dollars sure. oh, sure. to have two sections. So More welding, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but then when I you know I, I kind of figured this would happen but when i said well dad it's an extra 200 bucks for two eight foot sections oh i think i can live with 16 foot. yeah we'll figure that out that'll <laughs> be just suddenly fun. it doesn't sound so bad <laughs> right. but uh he he also knew that i was in the market for a boat lift for the oh, tracker my goodness yeah on the same day he called me out of concern as to how we're going to get this in i that morning had uh put in my my uh my order for a boat lift and um, from the same company. Sure. It's called uh, Walks on Water. Wow. Yes, indeed. Wow. 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 I've seen it many times. It's right on Highway 10 yeah. on the way up to the cabin in Clear Lake, Clear Lake Minnesota. Minnesota. You bet. And um, super nice people so far. I've talked to I, I did a little shopping and then I, I finally went to them and they're, not only were their prices comparable to other things I found... And no, and they're not paying us at this point to, no. for me to plug them. I, <laughs> this I is did, a completely free advertisement. Yes, uh, I asked them if I could tip mention of the cap them. to wow. But and they said, "Oh, that'd be great. Go oh, ahead." That's outstanding. So my dad was thinking a lift, and how you know we've got that steep fifteen foot kind of steep bank the embankment going yes, right indeed. down to the river edge. Challenging. There. And so, and he's not that I'm you know complaining. You know this is great, and I you know we'll figure it out. But I just I, I'm a little. I got to get this thing worked out in my head first. So. That's my dad. You know, he he built the cabin basically in his head, walking for years on his postal route. Correct. And um, like I said, I've said it before, the the only thing he wrote down was like one or two mathematical figures on a two-by-four in the middle of building the cabin. Other than that, it was all in his head. Okay, straight out of the, you, you guys build, you work on that, you pound that together. Straight out of the brain. Yes. Wow. So I know he's got to get it in his head for him to feel feel comfortable but um but no we're excited and hopefully if the weather stays pretty mild and uh someday well i don't know mid-april right we can get up there we might even make it an overnight trip and my dad and i'll try to add some crappie fish into the to the trip there we go because apparently they're an early season fish to catch sure so and i gotta say fud i gotta throw my own observation in here you have the last couple of years tied the front end securely to a tree that's kind of leaning out over the edge of the 
the river. And I right. keep looking at that and wondering how many more years you're going to get out of that tree before it finally I wonder. gives up the ghost. Yeah, the decides. trunk is hollow, but it's got one living big branch. Right, right. I kept thinking, boy, one really good storm, and that branch snaps off, and that boat's going to be swinging around yeah. like a pendulum out there in the river. So, <laughs> yes, well, I had I had one rope tied to the a dock post, yep, and another rope going to that tree, so it didn't move much. And and the, one of the reasons for that is not just because of, you know, heavy weather, but the real water damage comes from boats that, you know, our ch- the channel is a mere twenty feet away from our dock, right, in this river. And people just kind of ride real close, and I've shown pictures. I've I've uploaded pictures of the sea maid, yeah, filled. You know, the whole the back end was completely filled with water, and that's what happened. So, well, the good River, reason to have a lift. I've never seen anything really marked for no wake zone. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> people. People will cut it loose and and, and uh, only under the yeah. bridge uh, down there by the really yeah before you get to the crow wing there right it's, uh, people right. like to fish off that bridge and absolutely I'll even see kids jumping off and it in the summer any any bridge honestly I mean going yeah. back to the the whitefish chain I mean all the bridges were no, no wakes. wakes I was just talking to a colleague who's ironically enough had a a lifelong cabin just just probably a quarter mile from the old. Lloydstad place on mm-hmm. Daggett, and uh, he was talking about how, gosh, you know, as a kid, you could fly through the, the, there's really two big wide channels that lead from Daggett into Little Pine, and uh, they're pretty wide. I mean, and yet, <laughs> that, and then there was a huge kind of angling S-curve that went from Daggett into the channel for, for Cross, and I remember that as a kid. It was it, you, people just flew through there. Mm. You know, it was kind of a thrill ride. It was like well, we're doing S curves here. Whoa, check it out! And, and yeah. you know, got the engine cranked, and then you come around the corner, and boom, there's no wake. You know, throttle way back. Yeah. The rear end would rise up. You know, it was pushed down. Right. And start you know, going through, but now it's all marked. Everything oh. is marked. No okay. wake. And he's like, your old lake is basically a no wake zone now. People can't, you know. It's a whole different story. So, yeah, anytime we see those bridges or railroad cuts or anything, it's no-wake areas, and I've noticed that is not the case on the gull. You get to rip it up. and Yeah, pretty much. River rats, as your neighbor used to say, flying along at top speed, and, and that will that'll fill the sea maid, that's for sure. So It will. Well, the new dock, and, of course, you're thinking, oh, boy, and it's, it's the flow-through technology. Yes. How do we keep the geese off the darn thing? Oh yes, the geese. Yes, there that's are the geese. also been on my mind. I've been continuing my research. Last Painting year, in those dock sections. Yes, indeed. If uh, if anybody remembers, uh, out in cabin country, um, I tried to fend off the geese by creating and painting my own little kind of yard uh, spinning things in the in the shape of fishing lures. Like, oh, here, here's the cabin treble country hook. theme. Instead of treble hooks, I used. Mylar tassels, you know. They, there we go. They sparkle in the sun, and the lights are supposed to, you know, dazzle spook the geese. geese. <laughs> Stay away, but right. it did not work at all. So they were nice looking. My dad was even impressed, and we might put them out on the lawn again this year, but not expecting them to be effective. So what is suggested is that early in the year, as geese are looking for places to nest, you put out a couple of swan decoys. Swans. So if you if you look over your shoulder, you'll see that the size of that thing. That's right. Just today, I received 
my pair of huge life-size dreadnoughts, sw- swan decoys, wow. which we will see, you know, and I've heard that the effectiveness of those can go away after a few weeks as well. But, you know, we try what we can, and um, I've heard that they're more effective than, say, the, 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 the motionless dog or wolf uh, statue you've got in your yard, or the sure. the cutout silhouette wolf shape, or something. Right. They apparently, you know, people, you know, and looking online and everything, people send their pictures of I bought this and look at all the geese surrounding it. It doesn't work. So, but I think the geese, or excuse me, the swans will help. And there, I do have a plan B, which I think will will be the beat all end all. But we'll we'll figure that out later on. I'll tell you more about it's that. Also, always the. Big statues of the great horned owl. Right. Put down there on the, you know, keep all the small birds away, but probably the geese will just laugh. And right. Land, well, that's. Landmine your docks. That's the tricky thing, all right? The naturalist in me, you know, the armchair quasi don't really know anything. Uh, naturalist, I, it's not like you want to scare away no. too many. No, no, no. Uh, it's more of having a sport with it without causing harm, the least amount of harm. To anything Nobody's is possible. Nobody's getting hurt, but it's, right. it's I don't making wanna... you go somewhere else. Yes, it's like plenty of riverbank. Yeah, there's there's plenty more. They're attracted to the lot by our cabin because it's 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 a mowed lawn, pretty right. much. You know, it's not. We don't have like thick, lush green Kentucky bluegrass or anything. It's sure. we like to have it thin and natural, and but it's short, and and geese are kind of attracted to that, and so right. they'll. Oh, let's go picnic up there. Well, the classic line, what was it your cousin said? We, we were visiting your cousin downriver, and somebody across the river was mowing. Oh, yeah. And you just heard this lawnmower going, and all of a sudden, <laughs> crack, <laughs> crack, and clearly running over things like giant pine cones. And yeah. Big pieces of you know, detritus that fell off the trees, dead wood, and all this right. kind of stuff. And I just remember you're kind of like, man, we're mentioning guys really destroying his lawnmower. Yeah. That's ah, just a... Just the sound of mowing your lawn in Crow Wing County, man. That's, yeah. that's just how it is, you know. Yeah. You have your own blade sharpener in the in the in the garage because you're going to need it. Exactly. Know? Well, we've had uh, some green sheets of paper, Bjorn, with uh, many cattle displayed on them. We have, we have, and and uh, if you'll all humor me here, folks, we're going to discuss tonight something that was uh, a piece of the trip to cabin country for me growing up as a young man. My dad got tired of me just sitting in the back seat reading comic books and complaining about how long the trip was and when we were going to stop for food and would they or wouldn't they have candy I could use my lawn mowing money to purchase and all that kind of riffraff and and he just he would try to engage me in conversation as we drove north and uh, he was a farm kid my mom was a kind of a farm kid too but not nearly as proud of it I don't think as my dad mm-hmm. and, uh, Dad was always commenting on how, well, boy, if I hadn't gone into teaching, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, <laughs> still a farmer in me, and, you know, we'd be driving north past all these fields, and uh, it was a constant quiz. And I realized mm-hmm. at some point, it was like, well, just put down the book, put down the comic book, put down whatever I'm doing, because Dad wants to start grilling me on what are these things we're passing, I'm going to test your could-be, would-be mm-hmm. farmer status here. You're going to learn these things, by gosh, because it's important. And I just <laughs> yeah. remember as a kid thinking, why? <laughs> why do I need to know these things? I know the cows give milk, and I know the other ones are, are where the hamburgers come from. <laughs> why do I necessarily need to know this, Dad? I'm not probably ever going to be a farmer. 
and no slam towards farmers. I mean, I've got a lot of farmer relatives and put firm firm belief in that idea of we should all thank a farmer, you know, because mm. with without them, we're we're in a in a tough tough spot. And it's a, a noble line of work, but but not one I was necessarily seeing for myself. Right. And and my dad, on the other hand, was an office guy who longed to return to uh, the farm and, and, and uh, bring in the herd and, and, and get out in the fields and look for the look for the strays that were coming up that he could pull out of his fields and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was it, it began with cattle. Fud, uh-huh. I was I was grilled almost relentlessly on all right now <laughs> coming up here on a pretty good herd out there to the right. What are we looking at? And and it didn't take me long to figure out the big ones that looked like they weren't going to move real fast that were all black and white spotted. Those were Holsteins. Ah, the Holsteins. So I was like, well, Dad, those are Holsteins, uh, dairy <laughs> cattle, uh, predominantly for you know milk and dairy products. Very good. All right. But uh, that's an easy one. So uh, I know we'll be coming up on some curves here pretty soon. You're going to see some other stuff out there. And it did get to the point where, I mean, he had me trained in in like six or seven different identifications various wow. breeds of cows wow and and minnesota is a is a cattle friendly state so it is i had to know these things and the bulk of what we would see heading up highway 10 or or uh you know whichever we were taking you know get out into the the, the, the farm country and uh it would get it would get challenging it would get mm. it would get challenging and, he, and my mom would just kind of sit and have her book in her lap looking out the window i don't she always had a book in her lap and never read a page you know was always looking out the window <laughs> enjoying the scenery as it went by oh there's another one what's that dad well let's ask the boy uh, all right <laughs> what, what do we see out there and uh i'd have to so i've got a list of them right in front of me here fud this is very exciting oh, that's excellent starting with all kinds of beef cattle and then getting all the way down to the dairy and, uh, yeah, I got good at identifying Holsteins, and then if we saw white and kind of tan spotted, right? would be like, well, all right now, this is a tough one. What do we got out there? And I, oh, boy, uh, I think uh, I think that's a Guernsey, Dad. Like, Absolutely, Guernsey, very good, very good. <laughs> Red or brown, white, white, white all over, and uh, spots, if they were black, they'd be uh, Holsteins, Dad. Yes, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> and then we'd see the black ones standing out there. Sometimes with horns, all black. And he'd say, well, a lot of beef on the hoof out there, son. What do we got? <laughs> uh, this is a black Angus, Dad. Black Angus. Yes. That's a, is that a dairy cow? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's beef cattle, Dad. That's, uh, these guys are raising uh, cattle to uh, sell for meat. Say, that's absolutely correct. Good, good, good. Um, the other ones I got good at nailing down, FUD, were uh, the mighty Jersey, which was kind of uh, almost fawn-colored all over it. I'm sure somebody's going to write in and say, you're way off, Bjorn, way <laughs> off. You don't know what you're talking about. But he, he was talking about a jerseys where, I think, if I'm not mistaken, just a little bit smaller, but they, they produced milk that was much higher in cream, you know, fat content, so they oh, made really? better butter and cream, and then my dad would always joke about, and they had such beautiful eyelashes. Oh, they're just, <laughs> just a pretty cow. I mean, he's good. Those big Holsteins might just be kind of brutes, but oh, the Jersey had such a pretty face. Just, <laughs> did you take one to prom, Dad, or what? Did I, no, I mean it's just as, as a farm animal goes, just a just a just a sweet looking animal. It's just really nice, not real big. They didn't, you know, they weren't leaving all kinds of manure behind them and all that good stuff. Because he got the that was one of his tasks, of course, as the young man on the farm, is clean out the calf bins, clean out the, the cattle bins. And, and grab a shovel and roll up your sleeves and plug your nose, you know. But uh, yeah, that kind of thing. And then 
we'd occasionally see these huge things that were kind of white gray and looked like they had triple chins. They're like, all right, what's that? And I said, I, th- I think, I think, uh, I think that's called a charlet. And he was very proud of me that I got that one down. Charlet. Charlet, kind of a Swiss breed, or maybe French, I'm not sure. But big, big cattle turned into steaks and oh. burger chops and all kinds of crazy stuff, ribs, the whole works. Didn't see a lot of other things really in Minnesota all that much, although sometimes in the southern part of the state, we would, uh, western part, I guess, we'd be headed out to the, the old the old country, as they like to say, where they both grew up, in the Alexandria area, the right. Glen- Glenwood-Kensington area, Lake Minnewaska. We'd sometimes see brown Swiss. Brown Swiss. And again, another big Swiss kind of thing with a really beautiful coat and some, some darker kind of tail and ears, that kind of thing, but yeah, they all just looked really big to me, you know, big and crazy and slow and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I did print off a few here, Fudd, so I'm going to run a few names by you just because they strike me as curious. Oh, excellent. Very, very different. So the Angus we're all used to, and the Hereford, I think the Hereford might also be a beef cattle, kind of a reddish coat with a white face, Charlet, of course, the giant kind of whitish grayish kind of things and then we see things like this and, and this is where I got lost and I just be like I don't have any idea well I'm gonna guess here I think that might be a maybe I'm not saying it right limousine it's a French French cattle really big they get a they get to be just huge and the Simmental who can forget the red Angus the black Angus is wonderful but the red Angus red red Angus and then and here we're just I'm just reading these off folks because I don't think I ever saw any of these and frankly I wouldn't know them if they trampled me over as I was <laughs> standing there admiring the field. Something called a Gelbvier. I'm probably not saying that right. Something here that's probably a mix of a couple breeds. The Brangus. 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 That sounds kind of strange. And then my personal favorite on the list, you're the Beefmaster. <laughs> you know what you're getting when you raise Beefmaster. The Beefmaster. What do we got out in the field? I got 16 head of Beefmaster. They're getting ready for the Slatterhouse. Anyway, <laughs> something called a Sallers. Again, I'm probably not saying it right. The Brahmin. I think that's more of a southern, like Texas kind of thing. The big Brahmin cattle with the lump on their back. They're huge. They're crazy big. Huh. And uh, the infamous Shorthorn. Oh. And then some of the rest of these I'm, I'm probably going to skip because I just don't remember any of these or ever seeing them or even hearing about them. But the one that sticks out here on this list, FUD, has got the giant horns and is the symbol of the University of Texas. Yeah, your Texas Longhorn. Oh, we've all heard plenty of stories about uh, trying the to round up the Texas Longhorns out there, uh-huh. catch them in a good mood because if they're in a foul temper, things get ugly. Yes, sir. Oh boy, I know you and I are both fans of the great Hopalong Cassidy. Oh yes, it's Hopalong Cassidy. Many times we've heard references to the Texas Longhorns and those Longhorns, and I think the Herefords. The Herefords. Herefords. Yeah, Hereford. That's a big, big, big. Like my dad would say, it's a lot of beef on the hoof. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, boy. He occasionally throw out two. Almost makes your mouth water just looking at him, doesn't it? Like, I've seen a, a very large animal out there moving around. It just lifted its tail. Yeah. And I don't, I, the last <laughs> right. thing I'm thinking is the grill right now, Dad. And watch, mm. your, watch your shoes. Oh, boy. Crazy stuff. But, yeah, cattle, cattle, and more cattle. Now, one thing I have seen at the state fair, which I find to be kind of, kind of wonderful, is the Scottish Highland oh. cattle. Are they, they kind of hairy? Almost hairy, like the, yeah. They look like a big bang of hair coming right. down over their, over their face and uh, quite, a, quite a rack of horns on them. You know, a, good, a good 
spread of horns and uh, again a, bo- a beef cow from what mm-hmm. I understand and uh, used to watch a lot of PBS cooking shows and some of these English chefs that tell, oh, this is good Scots beef. That's, that's, that's a Highland cattle right there. That's good stuff. You can taste it, you know. And just see them in the, in the cattle barns and think, oh, they look so friendly. I, you, come well, on, you know. You know, what's funny is I got, I've got a little stuffed uh, animal here. Stuffed it's, animal. It's like a keychain thing. Fun's softer side. And I think we got it in, uh, in uh, Scotland when we were there with the family. Oh, yes. And of course, there we were either told the brave. or we read that they were called Harry Coos. Okay. Harry Coos. Harry Coos. But. Uh, Get out there with the Harry Coos. I'm, I'm going to butcher the Scots accent here. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't try either. <laughs> Bring it on. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little stuffed thing that one of my kids got when we were there, and that was quite a few years ago. Sure. But uh, they outgrew it, and now I have it sitting yeah. down here in the studio. Hold that up, Fudd. I can't see it. Oh, oh sorry. I'm oh, yeah. That's, that's a Scottish Highland. It's got the horns on it. You bet. Scottish Highland Harry Coo. Harry Coo. Good Scots beef. You bet you. Maybe not as pretty as the jersey, but well, awfully cute. No, I don't <laughs> see any eyelashes on this thing. Uh, so, well, you mentioned the state fair. Now... Did your dad? I know he used to like to go to the tractor barn, and and, and if there was yeah, you went to Machinery a, Hill. You yeah, had Machinery, to go to Machinery Hill. Hill, and there was a lot of uh, and you know our fans out there, our listeners that that are, are aficionados of the state fair. That if, if you kind of grew up with any kind of farm blood coursing through your veins, you remember tra- you know Machinery Hill. You go up and see, or, and if you were there, you're lucky enough to be there on the day of like the steam machinery. Oh. They'd have the steam threshers out there and the old steam tractors running, things like that. And, and I've been lucky enough to, to be there on those days. It's, it's a lot of fun to see those things running and hear all the noises they're making and the clinking and the clanking and, yeah. and all this great stuff. And I mean, they're living history. You know, they're still running it. It kind of brings me back to being at uh, Pioneer Village, I believe. Oh, yeah. At, uh, Paul Bunyan know, Paul Land, Bunyan Pioneer Land. Village. Some of those old, old tractors. Right. And just thinking, God, what would it be like to see, be there during the day when that was new? Right. You know, and somebody's riding that. It seemed like all those old tractors had seats that were, were like, that, uh, molded metal. iron with, like, the yeah. holes in them. Right. Like, like a wiffle ball. You know, it was like, I'm, the mind races as to why we got to put, you know, holes in the seat. Well, um, you know, it's flow-through. I guess like the so. Docks. The water what, can go right through. What are we suggesting? Like, the farmers are... You don't want a wet seat? Steady bean diet? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was going to say, did you visit? Aren't aren't there a lot of cows at the state fair? Oh my goodness, the cattle barn is, and I still go. I can't, you know, this is something my dad passed on to me. If I'm at the fair, I have to go through all the livestock barns. Right, I just right. do now. Found out as my wife and I were still dating. One of our first years, we decided, oh, let's go to the fair. We always go to the fair, and her dad worked out there and the mm. whole bit. So you know, um, maybe not that early on, but we went. And I was, oh, I got to go through the horse barn, and we got to, you know, have the 4-H kids got to get their thrill dropping the big rubber spider in front of our face. Oh, <laughs> and you act all freaked out, and oh my goodness! And then you keep, <laughs> you look at uh, all this good stuff, and they're chuckling from their from the pens where they're kind of hanging out on the hay bales. And oh, we got another one. Check it out. Whoop, spider! You know, <laughs> it's funny. It's a it's a it's a rite of passage. But uh, yeah, I brought. I brought my lovely bride to be through the horse barns and found out the hard way that she's got an incredible horse allergy. And oh. before, before I was like, I want to see the Belgians and I want to see the Clydesdales, and her eyes had sealed shut and she was sneezing her full head off. And I can't see. I'm like, are you going to be all right? Well, I think we got to get out of here. 
Oh, dear. My goodness. And now it's been however many years of, of allergy shots for her, and we, we have since gone through these barns, and she's not... She's oh, not, doesn't she's react. Not, oh, that's great. Not, not, not nearly... Yeah, I kid you not. Her eyes sealed shut. I had never wow. seen anything like that before. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I was like, we got to get out of here. And 15 minutes deep or so of being free of horse dander, she could open her eyes again after some serious wow. work. But, yeah, it was something else. But, uh, the one I'm always kind of weird about, I mean, I like the sheep barn, the goat barn. I love seeing all the poultry. I, the rabbits are fun to look at. and all, The goats are cute. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the little kid goats and all this kind of stuff. These weird eyes with the kind of rectangle irises. Oh, yes. So, yeah. so bizarre. But uh, bizarrely cute in their own way. But uh, the hog barn, you know, I, I got to admit, I... Uh, I, I I will say my dad never quizzed me on breeds of hogs. Wasn't a fan. As we drove through, and well, they raised them, and and whatever hog they raised ended up as as a ham for Easter or something like okay. that. You know, chops in the freezer, or whatever. But uh, not a lot of them. And I I think it, I I don't know. You hear that again in those old great radio stories and the Wild West kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm having a hard time here. These are sheep guys coming into our territory. Some rough boys there. You know what sheep herders. And their sheep due to the to the landscape. There goes bad medicine, Hoppy. My dad was a cattle guy, you know, and his dad before him, and 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 it just didn't. I think you're either a hog breeder or you're not. And um, and those that do, I mean, I'm sure they do a wonderful business. But I will say this much about a, a large hog farm: you know, you're approaching it Oof, a good ten miles before you even pull up alongside it. It's right. it's it's. Uh, it's pungent. Mouth-watering. So, yeah, he never he never quizzed me on the hogs, although State Fair is still a topic of conversation. There's, Is there anything more interesting than going in to see the year's State Fair's lar- you know, champion boar? And they've oh. got this giant boar laying yeah. there on his side, almost always sound asleep. You know, just, <laughs> This one weighs in at 1,200 pounds. You'd believe it. <laughs> ah, it's incredible. And there's, you know people standing around right. talking and oh my god look at the size of that thing it's impressive and I, apparently a hog gets to that size they just sleep the day away or something i'm not sure yeah what else maybe they drug them i don't know wow <laughs> I, no, I we'll probably get a call here from a hog how dare you not at all <laughs> the champion boar he's got two two tasks in life one is eat and sleep and the other one well you know good evening make more <laughs> make more piglets but uh, won't you come in yeah, uh, yes. sleep the rest of your day away why not and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. That might be someone can call in and, and fill us in on that. When a when a hog is of that size, a boar, yeah. you know, is a, is almost a one thousand pounder. I mean, does that mean eventually he'll find himself in the back of a semi headed for South Saint Paul, or does that you know? I don't know. I mean, do, yeah. do you do you butcher out a, a a hog of that size? I I don't know. Or do they? Like I keep thinking of Animal Farm, an old major, you know, just yeah. die of old age in his pen because it's right. kind of like the, you know, sixty-inch musky. It's yeah, you're not it you're not going to eat that old, fish. I mean, right. for crying out loud, it's yeah. oofta, you know, or the two-foot walleye. That my God, it's that's either something you mount or you let it go. You know, let yeah, it, let it let it maintain the breeding stock. So hard to say, but now on that front, Fud, I know I've kind of been running away. With with gala stories here galore, but I'll say this much about hogs: I uh, horror stories. Oh yeah. So after I'm done, you know, well, those are Guernseys over there, Dad, and there's more Holsteins. I think I'm done now. 
And then we'd pass a, a hog farm. Oof, defeat. And my mom would always chime in with, oh, boy, hogs, you know, dangerous. Boy, they'll, they'll eat anything. And uh, we all knew someone who had hogs on their place. And, you know, somebody fell into the hog pen and they never got out. You know, there was oh, my gosh. So apparently, <laughs> from the way my mom told it, every family in like a 100-mile range lost at least one child to the hogs. Oh, my that God. Fell in, and, and I know that's not true. And I, I think a large part of it was probably just to put the fear of hogs into <laughs> me. I'm not sure of it. My dad, oh yeah, they'll, they'll, they're omnivorous, boy. They'll eat anything at a, you know, slopping the hogs. It can be pretty much anything. You got to be careful around those. And I remember the stories of my, my grandfather, um, Tom Thompson, you know, lived through the First World War and spent the rest of his life farming. And, and that was a, a rite of passage every spring for the, the new piglets was grandpa went in and got them away from the sow and grabbed them, forced open their mouths, took out his plier and snapped off the... Their their fangs, you know, their little oh sharp gosh, teeth. Really? Broke them off. Yeah. Wow. So they don't a don't hurt mom when they're nursing, and b they've got less you know armament to go after people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They can be they can be pretty territorial, from what I understand. And and incredible. Uh, I forget what the what the organized crime fi- film was that was all the rage back in the '90s, but they talked about uh, you know there was this one bad guy who had a had a hog farm. Oh. Out in the country in England, and if they if they rubbed somebody out, they got fed to the pigs. <laughs> it's like, wow! I don't think they're kidding. You know, I think that's that's for real. I mean, they took that. Wow! I think so, that popped up in the Deadwood series. A that's few years entirely ago possible. There, yeah, so. I, I forget what this was. I remember. I don't remember the name of the film, but I remember the bad guy in question was Bricktop. Oh, Bricktop would take you out to the farm, and that meant you're not coming back. You know, like whoa. Yikes! That's scary stuff. I, I don't want to meet those big hungry pigs. Wow, man. it's a lot lot different than you know Charlotte's Web. You know, that's right. Yeah. The impression the, you get as a kid that the Jersey blinking at you. You know, the Jersey's not going to eat you. Right. You know, Jersey's not going to eat you. But well, uh, the Jersey cow reminds me of uh, was it Waldo or what was the deer I actually pet couple couple years now at the yeah ago at the sportsman sportsman show. show and you got to meet got to stand real close and feed an apple. To uh, Waldo, I think was his name. He, he was like the a, number of points on that buck, right? I mean, I mean, one of those like seriously yeah. trophy bucks. I mean, it was ridiculous the rack that 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 buck it was, was sporting. It was amazing, but the, yeah, the eyelashes on that too. I'd never been close enough to a deer to see that. They don't um, have eyelashes like humans, where it's just kind of in a straight line. But I'm sure that Jersey cow is just like that. Beautiful face. (laughs) Such a sweet face. (laughs) You got a dance partner for Sadie Hawkins. (laughs) Think about Bossy over there, maybe. (laughs) Start the music. Let's see. Can she dance? Ah, No? All right. Oh, that's funny. I like cows. And they like me. I like cows. Well, it's high time for a short break, so hang in there with us and we'll be right back. Hey, move over. Emerging from the watery mists, gliding through the aqua meadows, the alluring scent of sun sparkling on summer water, the warmth of a summer's breeze as it passes over the water lilies, emerald wave. Emerald wave. Verdant top notes of juniper, basil, and silver artemisia. Emerald wave. 
a lush midpoint of pepper, polished leather, clove, and balsam. Emerald wave. The base anchored in serene depths of oak moss, cedar, bassweed, hornweed, water celery, loose strife, and a subtle mist of August duckweed. Emerald wave. Emerald wave will turn heads with its bright herbal presence, its hints of new mown grass at dawn, and then the signature wave of late season milfoil and snail seed pondweed. Emerald wave will turn heads. Emerald wave is sure to have people asking, when can I get back to the cabin again? The late phase of summer has smelled from the south side of the lake. What's stuck to my treble hook? Emerald wave. Emerald wave. Are tablet herbicides legal in Minnesota? Emerald wave. Weeds don't count in this fishing contest. Keep it up and I'll snag the seat of your pants again. Emerald Wave. It's time for another Cabin Country Literary Moment. Tonight, an excerpt from Charles Dickens' classic, Oliver Mr. Twister. Oh, said Mr. Gamfield to the donkey. The donkey was in a state of profound abstraction. Wondering, probably, whether he was destined to be regaled with a cabbage stalk or two when he had disposed of the two sacks of soot with which the little cart was laden. So without noticing the word of command, he jogged onward. Mr. Gamfield growled a fierce imprecation on the donkey generally, but more particularly on his eyes, and running after him, bestowed a blow on his head with his tackle box, which would inevitably have beaten in any skull but a donkey's. Then catching hold of the bridle, he gave his jaw a sharp wrench, by way of gentle reminder that he was not his own master, and by these means turned him around. He then gave him another blow on the head, but this time with the bait bucket, just to stun him until he came back again. Having completed these arrangements, he walked up to the gate to read the bill. The gentleman with the white waistcoat was standing on the dock with his hands behind him, after having delivered himself of some profound sentiments to the DNR agents. Having witnessed the little dispute between Mr. Gamfield and the donkey, He smiled joyously when that person came up and read the bill, for he saw at once that Mr. Gamfield was exactly the sort of river guide Oliver Twist wanted. Mr. Gamfield smiled, too, as he perused the document, for five pounds was just the sum he had been wishing for, and, as to the boy with which it was encumbered, Mr. Gamfield, knowing what the dietary of the workhouse was, well knew he would be a nice small pattern, just the very thing for repairing vintage outboard motors. So he spelt the bill through again from beginning to end, and then, touching his ball cap in a token of humility, accosted the gentleman in the white waistcoat. This here boy, sir, what the parish wants to prentice, said Mr. Gamfield. Aye, my man, said the gentleman in the white waistcoat with a condescending smile. What of him? If the parish would like him to learn a right pleasant trade in a good respectable river guiding business, said Mr. Gamfield, I want a prentice, and I'm ready to take him. Walk in, said the gentleman in the white waistcoat. Mr. Gamfield, having lingered behind to give the donkey another blow on the head and another wrench of the jaw as a caution not to run away in his absence, followed the gentleman with the white waistcoat into the room where Oliver had first seen him. It's a nasty trade when the north wind is up, said Mr. Limpkins, when Mr. Gamfield had again stated his wish. Young boys have been nauseated in rowboats before now, said another gentleman. Aye, it's fish, guts, and salmon eggs he'll be mucking about with now, sir. Cabin Country Literary Moment Charles Dickens' classic Oliver Mr. Twister
One last piece, Fudd. Uh, there was there was an ultimate, ultimate sort of insult on all these tr- these these trips. My my dad was good too at uh, okay the cattle you've you've passed on this trip. I don't have to ask you anymore, but uh, we're gonna start identifying crops. Oh, and again, I'm just like my God, Dad, are you kidding me? <laughs> Do we? I just want to read this comic book, man. Let let me be in peace here. No, no, no. What's that field over there? And you know, okay, that's uh, that's alfalfa, Dad. Yes, okay, good. And uh, Over here on the right, that's corn, you know that one. What about that over there? I, I think those are soybeans, Dad. Well, you think. Are they or are they? <laughs> They're soybeans, Dad. Yeah, okay, good. And then he'd start muttering under his breath to my mom, Oh, look at all the volunteers out there. Oh, my gosh. That's, he's got a soybean field. Look at all the corn coming up. Volunteer ears coming up out of that field. That's Oh, that's what they're called. They should have been out there. He should have had, you get out there and you pull the volunteers out of your field. You're not raising corn this year. You're raising soybeans. Get out there and pull uh, pull the, those shocks. Get them out of there. That's ridiculous. Not shocks, obviously. You, you harvest corn, you put the put them into shocks. But, I mean, the, the idea of uh, the stray corn. Yeah, those stalks got to go. They got to yeah. go. And, and so he talked about as a kid how his dad would say, all right, it's that time of year. Get all the kids out there, he and all his sisters, out in the field in their work clothes. And they're growing... Uh, you know, growing soybeans this year, we got to pull all the volunteer corn and the mustard. Oh, the mustard weeds growing up. Oh, yeah. And you can see it. I mean, when you're, when you know, if we're headed up again this summer and we're cruising along town and see some farms, you'll see soybean fields or whatever they're growing, mm-hmm. and then there'll be like clumps of yellow flowers. Oh, yes. And okay. My dad would see that and he'd just shake his head under poor farmer. <laughs> poor farmer. I don't believe it. And then, and then another thing that got you that. Poor farmer epithet was if there were rocks all over the field, you know, yeah. low spots in the field that were full of water. You should have taken care of this. Oh there, yeah, there were ways of dealing with this. You know, all these various things that he knew, and uh, he talked about that too. How his dad and, and my mom would talk about it. Grandpa too. Both grandpas would get the big workhorses hooked up to a team, and they'd pull the stone boat out into the field. Oh right. And so another job for the kids. You know, I'm thinking, gosh, how old would you have to be to start picking up boulders? Boulders, but I mean, yeah. Every year, the frost brings up more rocks. And if you're yeah. going to plant, you've got to get those things out of there. You're going to destroy you your, know, your discs or your arrows yeah. or whatever you're using, your plow. And you got to get those out of there. So they'd, they'd go through the fields with the stone boat. And my mom would say, oh, it's the worst. You're grabbing these big rocks you can barely carry and trying to run after this. <laughs> you know, if you were lucky, Dad stopped the team and we'd just pile more rocks on and keep moving. That sounds like a workout. Oh man, my dad. Well, what was the what was the the gym we our, our, our dear friends that were advertising their oh, cabin yeah. country workout? You know, get right. these chainsaws started. Yeah, we, we've flooded every engine here, and they're <laughs> overoiled. Good luck. You'll pull until your arm falls out. Well, what about the boulder plow? My goodness, or follow the, the stone boat. The Absolutely. stone boat. Yeah. And my dad would just say, you know, you, and the end of that job, you get the stone boat off the field, and you pile those rocks somewhere where you're not going to plant anything but you mm-hmm. see some of these guys that just have a central spot out in the middle of the field and just start stacking rocks yeah and again poor farmer my <laughs> goodness look at all that could have been planted with corn and what's he got he's got a giant he's got a rock quarry over there i don't believe it that's oh my goodness and i just sit there thinking to myself well i'm probably never going to be a farmer <laughs> but if I am, I hope I'm not a poor farmer. Oh, man. Dad drive by and critique. Oh, you got all kinds of mustard out there. And look at the rocks. What are you doing, man? Get out there. You know, oh, poor farmer. 
I do recall seeing a lot of um, kind of a, it's almost like a, not a, a heavy duty chicken wire or something where they make these pits or columns where you can put those stones Put the in. rocks, yeah, and then surround it with a heavy gauge chicken wire and yeah. it becomes like a fence post. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, it. That's absolutely. It. And then you can actually, I've seen a lot of people do a lot of interesting stuff with that, but it, it becomes almost like a marker on the edge of the field. Sure. Like this is the corner of the field. Yeah. Once that one's full, I guess you can start another one. I mean, you, there will never be a shortage. I mean, with each thaw, yeah, you've, you've got a new. Well, the first thing is let's get rid of these rocks, and then after right. that, you know, I guess lucky is the farmer that has somehow managed to completely devoid their fields of stones. I don't know how you do it because I, I think it just keeps popping up every year. But, but right, uh, I guess if you've been in the same place for a long, long time, maybe you've gotten to the point where the work gets lighter with each passing year. I don't know. Yeah, my dad always said that he wished, you know, part of him always wanted to be a farmer as well. Yeah. And I know he would have been cut out for it, a very hard-working guy, and just likes to have something to do, you know? Right. And I have a cousin who uh, has some property in Afton, Minnesota. Sure. And she grows, uh, like, a lot of organic stuff. And Okay. You know, I think, and supplies local restaurants. Absolutely. I haven't yeah. talked to her in a few years, but my dad did help help her out, like, putting up fences. I was out there one day just putting, making a big greenhouse kind of a thing. Okay, yeah. But um, but that's when he would tell me, yeah, you know, there's something about it. And I, I mean, you don't work as hard as you do as when you're a farmer and that kind of thing. No, I, I, I will agree wholeheartedly. My, my cousins that are still in the, in the business, boy, they are, yeah. they are, they are uh, constantly at work. And, and it's interesting too, on my wife's side of the family, a lot of family events and there was, at least the one uncle and his wife were still running the family farm, and uh, events were kind of scheduled around. Well, we're going to have the whole family together, but we got to be done by a set time because the cows got to get milked and got to get right. back out in the field, and there's things to be done. Yeah, the work doesn't really stop. You know, I mean, you are your own boss, and you get to call your own hours. But I know those hours start awfully early, <laughs> right? And then, as uh, my wife's uncle will will attest to. Uh, it was both a blessing and kind of a curse when they started putting electric lights on, on field implements because now you can be out there until you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you got light. Hmm. You, you can keep working. And right. I've, so, yeah, it's a long, long day, and I take a lot of heat for showing up at my place of work sometimes around 6.15, 6.30, and people, what are you doing here already? I've got work to do, you know? I'm getting <laughs> to work. And, but nothing, nothing like... Uh, Nothing like farming, boy. And my and and in my dad's era, that was if you got up early to milk the cows, and it wasn't if it was when you got up yeah. early to milk the cows. Uh, this they, he remembered early on. Um, we weren't talking, you know, electric milkers. It was you, a stool, a bucket, and your two hands, huh. and get to work. And he'd talk about the funny days of, you know. <laughs> He and his sisters out there in the garage, or the barn, excuse me. I, I'm a city guy. Right? I'm out in the garage. Uh, no, barn. And uh, milking those cows. And he said there were a couple things that could make the day kind of funny, or the morning. One was watching his sisters get, you know, a manure-encrusted cow tail right across the face as they're <laughs> milking the cow. There's a big wet manure kind of oh man come on you know and uh they they even got to the point where they knew which cows were kind of guilty of this oh really bovine pleasure of, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let you uh milk for a while then i'm gonna let you have it right across the mush with this oh, poopy yeah. tail right across the, <laughs> boom there you go 
But the other thing he talked about, how you always had barn cats, uh-huh. and they just sort of seemed to appear. I mean, they didn't. you didn't go to the Humane Society and buy cats. I mean, you had barn cats. Right. They just almost like livestock kept, kept reproducing and found a warm place to be. And yeah. you didn't complain because barns attract mice. Yeah. Or if worse, they'll attract rats. And if you've got a, you know... Family flotilla of cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say a herd of cats. You know, I don't know. There's a word for it. I'm sure a murder of crows, a posse. I don't uh, know. Anyway, kit, you had, uh, I don't know. You had a group of cats in that barn that were were earning their keep. Your your mouse and rat problems were way down. Mm. And he said they'd. He, he, one of his great treats was after watching one of my aunts take a crap laden tail across the mush <laughs> to sit there. And he said there were two or three of these adult barn cats that would come out and. He'd be milking, and the cat would just sit there and stare at him and then go up on its haunches and open its mouth, and he'd aim an udder at the cat's face and just <laughs> blast the cat right in the mouth a couple times. They'd kind of, <laughs> but they'd lick their chops yeah, right. and kind of stick around and like, ah, you know, pause to the face to get the milk off their mush, but then they'd right back up again, ah, mouth open, and <laughs> let the cat get another drink, and, you know. Wow. They were happy about that kind of thing, and the cows didn't mind as long as the cats didn't get too close, but... Yeah, I'll if the, cat, if the cats were dumb enough to get that close, you had one less barn cat because <laughs> was you know a big Holstein hoof coming down, and that's an ex, that's an ex cat. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's done. But uh, and you know, I mean, we've heard these stories from the past. You know, workhorses and and big big bull cattle things like you just don't you don't mess with them. You don't get behind them because their initial response is you know let you have it with a with a, a left. A right leg kick, yeah. you know, and and a, and a big a big Holstein can hurt. A Clydesdale can kill you, you know. Yeah, jeez. And I had a pretty crazy uncle who took a Clydesdale. I mean, I think he had the imprint of a Clydesdale's horseshoe in his chest for like a week. Really? And, oh uh, my god! Al- he almost paid for that, you know. To with heck with life. these. To heck with these pigs eating you as you fall in. Just, and I think he had tried. <laughs> Like I said, he was a kook, and I think I've shared this before. He, he showed my mom, like, he, hey, I got a book of matches. I'm going to light this Clydesdale's tail on fire. Check it out. Boom. He just got <laughs> nailed. And I guess he was asking for it. His, his, you know, my grandpa, his father, was like, well, I hope you're okay. And what did we learn from this? You know? Yeah. And if you hurt my workhorse, that's, that's the least of your problems. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get a lot worse uh, if that thing's – but, yeah. So oh, wow. crazy, crazy times. So I guess we know now. Uh, we know all our cattle. Next time we pass the the Holsteins, you'll be able to call them out, Fud. Yeah, well. And uh, if we I, see the volunteer ears of corn coming up through an alfalfa field, I'm I'm hoping. Oh, I know, poor I know what you're going to say. Poor farmer. Poor farmer. Oh, yeah. Pete say he should get out there. I don't Come on, let's. How can he? How can he sit at the breakfast table and feel good about himself? I don't believe it. <laughs> poor farmer. But uh, wow, those are, those are my farm tales, Fud. I hope uh, hope maybe a smile crossed a face or two as they. If you too have uh, gone through any of this or perhaps faced the Inquisitor as you drive north with Dad behind the wheel saying, what, yeah. what's that over there? It's a sheep, Dad. Yeah, well, I know, but what breed? I don't know. I, <laughs> what a sheep give us? Okay, fine, wool. Yes, but what? Yeah, anyway. Good, clean fun. 
That's right. Good, clean fun. But I tell you, I've, I've never heard of the hazard of milking cows of a crap tail. Oh, man. Well, you, you know, and, and, and I don't know if it was, again, if any any listeners out there have, have firsthand experience with this. and We're always interested in you sending in your tails and adding your 10 oh, yeah. cents worth. No pun intended. <laughs> send, sending in your tails. Send us your tails. Make sure it's clean. <laughs> uh, free of manure. But uh, And again, yes. I think it's what, cabin country... Cabin Country Crap Tales? No. No. Uh, no. Oh, no, the, no, oh, the, no, the web. Come on. <laughs> oh, the uh, the email address is cabincountrypod at gmail.com. There we go. And we'd be glad to read any of your... Oh, yeah. Putting putting Bjorn straight. Here's where you were wrong, sir. You know? Yeah. You got your breeds way off. or No, cows would never do that. Because I would think if you're if you're milking, if you're standing yeah. there milking... And, and now, of course, it's clean the udders, hook them up to the milking machines... Move on to the next right. one, the milking parlor, right? It's a very mechanized situation. But if you remember those old tales from back in the day, and uh, I would always think my greatest fear would, the tail doesn't sound very nice. But yeah. if, if you're the, there working away and, and the tail goes up and suddenly there's a nice hot pile. <laughs> oh, my God. Down around your, your work boots, you know. You, oh, oh. Mind mind the milk pail. Don't uh, cover that up, you know. Hoofta, ish. Ish, but yeah, oh boy, hats off to our farmers because I, I, even in this era of incredible mechanization and the, the giant super farms and everything, boy, nobody works harder. Nobody yeah. works harder. That's an, right. That's a long day. Yeah. And, uh, Can't imagine it myself. Oh, wow. You you know you've worked a good day. That's for sure. But anyway, I think I'm farmed out at this point. Well, all right, that's There's good. There's a bad pun in there somewhere, but. But I'm going to take this opportunity to just throw one more thank you out there. Of course, in the past, we've been allowed to use music by, you know, one of our guests, John Munson. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, New Standards, Munson Hicks Party Supply, Trip Shakespeare, Semisonic, a you know, great musician and a wonderful guest. And, and we've also been given permission, and especially here in this cow episode, right? Uh, the great Chan Pauling. From, from the same lineup, I guess we could say the new standards. Yeah. Uh, but also one near and dear to my heart as a young man, the suburbs. And uh, boy, a classic from suburbs lore uh, off their In Combo album, Cows, <laughs> which uh, I kid you not, man, every time, and I've seen the suburbs more times, I don't have to take my shoes and socks off to count up, it's more times than I can <laughs> than I can think of, and I've loved every show, and uh it's it's you're guaranteed at some point in the night you're going to hear cows, cows off right. in combo and and a, a hail and hearty thank you again to the great Chan Pauling for for giving us permission to go ahead and use right. that yes thank some you background music for our, our cattle episode because honestly adding sound to what I I like to think is a great cabin country topic I mean we can't really talk about how can you? How can you not identifying cow breeds and not hear a little bit of cows from the Twin Cities' own great suburbs and, uh, and Master Chan Pauling? So thanks again, Chan. Outstanding. I'll leave it at it's that. It's a lot of fun. Great, great, great opportunity, and it's been really cool to get the the go ahead from from Chan and John to use music, uh, right? Local stuff that means so much to people here in the Great Midwest. And, well, so ideally, cool. the entire country, but certainly the Midwest, where they're definitely yes icons to say the very least. So, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to Chan, absolutely. Well, and with that, uh, I think it's time to wrap things up for this episode. But before we let the screen door slam shut, I want to thank 
Stan Tequila and Adventure Publications for the use of a couple of sound effects. And also to remind you to check out the Cabin Country Podcast Facebook page and Instagram, all that kind of social stuff, because we have some fun pictures we upload. But with that, uh, thank you for hanging out with us, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time in Cabin Country. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.